Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a message from our senior pastor, Julie Oldfield. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. about you but sometimes I feel like I'm nagging God do you ever feel like you nag God anybody like I feel like sometimes you know since the day that I saw the face of Jesus 36 years ago I feel like I've been fairly persistent in my request for God to come but I think it's because of that that I've been privileged to be positioned to remain revived for 36 years since I saw the face of Jesus. Oh, I've had my dry times like everybody. I've had my ups and downs like everybody else. But I tell you this, I have been in love with him for 36 years. And I'm more in love with him today than I ever was before. It seems like every day that goes by, there's another facet of Jesus that he reveals to me and I just am so privileged that I know him. Amen. After 21 years in ministry, I feel like my heart is sweeter than when I first began. Even though I've seen things, I've been hurt, I've been wounded, I've been talked about, I've had stuff said, you know, all the stuff we go through, all of us go through, we all go through that stuff. But I'm telling you, pastors go through a lot more than you guys do. And you know what? I just, and my heart is so sweet. My heart is so sweet towards people. And I think it's because I continuously position myself to remain revived in Jesus. You cannot look into the face of Jesus daily and look into the eyes of your brothers and sisters and have bad thoughts. You just can't do it. You know, you look into the face of Jesus and you see, what you see is how much he's forgiven you. What you see is how much he is changing you. What you see is how much his, his grace is so strong towards you. How could you possibly look at a brother or sister or anyone around you and have a, a, a heart that was hard towards them? How could you possibly see? There was two precious women saved in church this morning. One just walked in off the street, you know, just went, I'm 19 years old, it's time to go to church. I think I need to go to church now. I'm 19 years of age. Gloriously saved. And another girl who'd been away from the Lord for a long time came back to Jesus this morning. And His grace was so strong and so beautiful to those two women. It was like, I just get blown away how much He loves people. And I was just reading this parable. If you could put that up. I just was reading while we were worshipping, actually. It's the parable of the persistent widow. It's amazing. I'm just going to read it from here because I can't see that. And it says here, Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them they they should always pray and not give up. Everybody say, not give up. These glasses are so filthy. I don't even know how I can look at that. You can tell I'm not used to wearing these things, can't you? It's all right. I'll do this. 
I'll do it underneath. On the non-shiny spot. Anyway, I think they're worse, but that's all right. I love this. Then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. Everybody say, not give up. Not give up. Amen. He said, in a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor cared what people thought. And there was a widow in that town who kept coming to him with a plea, grant me justice against my adversary. How many of you felt like that? How many have you felt like that? Like I'm saying, do you nag God? Do you nag? I nag God. Grant me justice. Grant us justice. Grant my kids justice against their adversary. Grant me justice. Grant my family. Grant my church. Do you know that we pray for you daily? Do you know that we stand in front of the judge that comes to judge you in the courtroom of heaven? And we stand and we say to that judge, we say to God, grant our people justice and remove the adversary from them. Remove the judge. Amen. And he said, So verse 4 says, For some time he refused, but finally he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or care what people think, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will see that she gets justice uh, so that she won't eventually come and attack me. Ever felt like you just want to attack the devil or just attack the, the circumstances in your life? Have you ever felt like, you know, just I'm over this? Or, or do you feel like most people feel most of the time, oh, what is everything bad happened to me? Poor me. And, you know, here we go again. I was going real good and now I'm back here. And I don't know. Now. You know, there comes a point. There comes a point where you've got to get up. There comes a point where you've got to stand up. There comes a point where you've got to stand and believe. And there comes a point where you've got to begin to declare what the price that has been paid for you and your life and to stand in, in full authority of that. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you. He will see that they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Wow. I was thinking about this this week. You know, what do we have to do to position ourselves to be revived? We've got to have a heart position, first of all. We've got to have a hunger, secondly. We've got to have a desire for deeper you know, deep cries out to deep. You've got to have a frustration for where you are right now. You've got to almost have a holy, righteous anger. You've got to have kind of a, I'm going to kick down the barn door kind of mentality. You've got to have a faith that rises up inside you and say, enough is enough is enough is enough. I am positioning myself to rise up in all that God has given me and I'm fighting back. I'm going to nag God. I'm going to persist until the enemy backs off and I get justice for my life in Jesus' name. You need a revelation of what's to come or a sense of more even before it manifests. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. 
Amen? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. We need to live in a realm where we reach out for things and we begin to fight for things that we don't yet see. Faith is the evidence of things not yet seen. But in my spirit, I see it. In my spirit, I sense it. In my spirit, I hear a sound. In my spirit, I see a cloud the size of a man's fist. In my spirit, I feel something's about to shift. I feel there's momentum. I feel like God's about to break through in my life. And therefore, I need to jump on that in faith and position myself for breakthrough, position myself to be revived and to walk in all that God has for me. There was a, a woman in Matthew 15, 21 to 28. And it's, it's Jesus had just finished feeding the 5,000, healing people. He's tired. He's had enough. Even Jesus got tired. How many of you know that? Yes, he was all God, but he was all man. He got tired. And he needed to withdraw. Whenever you say Jesus is going to withdraw to a place, it's usually that he needs to go and pray and refuel and, and be with his father and refresh himself. His disciples were wasted. They were so tired. They had just had enough. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like you just had enough? Like I cannot pray for one more person. I cannot, you know, I remember Rodney Howard Brown saying, you don't want revival. Because when you've got revival, people never leave you alone. He said, he reckons he went to the toilet in a revival meeting one day and he was on the toilet and someone's hand came over the cubicle and said, pray for me, pray for me. It's like, <laughs> oh, dear God. <clears throat> so it says, so Jesus had just been doing all this stuff, feeding the 5,000, doing all these things. And he says, leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre or Tyre and Sidon. So he's withdrawing, he's going, he's tired. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. You've got to understand, this woman is a Canaanite. She is what they call a Gentile. Jesus had come for the Jews to save the Israelites. He had not come yet for the Gentiles. How many of you know that Jesus comes, he preaches to the Jews, right? He goes to the cross. He leaves his disciples here. He goes up. He sends the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills them. They begin to preach. In the book of Acts, Paul has a dream and he gets sent to go and preach to the Gentiles. So the Gentiles' time is not yet. Get that? It's not yet. The Gentiles' time is not yet. Yet this Gentile woman while Jesus is tired, comes to Jesus and starts shouting out. She recognises who he is. She recognises what he can do. But it's not her time yet. 
And Jesus knows that he needs to abide by time, by what the Father has said. But she's shouting out at him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Anybody a mother in this place? I am. And I'm telling you right now, there's been many times I've thought my daughters were demon-possessed and suffering terribly. No. I'm telling you now, if I had a demon-possessed daughter, which I don't, they're all gorgeous. Thank you, Jesus. Although sometimes that time of month, you know, it's like you never know. A house of five women, it's like, ah! But if I had a demon-possessed daughter, think about it just for a minute, seriously. Forget all my jokes. Right now, you think about it. A demon, she's not just being harassed. She's not just having bad dreams. She's not just depressed. She's demon-possessed. In other words, this demon has taken full possession of this little girl and is making her suffer in ways we couldn't even imagine. And this mother can't do anything about it. There's no doctor she can go to. There's no physician. There's no tablet she can take. There's no hospital that can fix her. She is demon-possessed. And she sees that Jesus is here. And she recognises, even before the Jews, who don't even recognise Him anyway, really, that this is you, Lord, Son of David. She recognises on Him. Have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. He didn't answer her. And it says here, So his disciples came to him and urged him, as all good disciples do, send her away. She's driving us crazy. For she keeps crying out after us. Jesus, can you just send this woman away? Jesus didn't say a word. And I think at that moment, he's thinking to himself, I reckon he's communing with God. I reckon he's saying, Father, what do you think? What do you think, Father? Can the love, can the love of a woman for her child and the passion of a woman, can she move the Messiah to move before his time and meet her situation? Let's see. Jesus answered, he says to this woman, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. He's trying to plead his case. I want to help you. But you know, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And the woman came and knelt before him. Talk about persistence. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. I mean, for goodness sake, if there was any place to be offended right there. Do you know what I mean? But what he's saying is that, that I've got this bread and I've got to give it to the Jewish people and you're a Gentile and as far as the Jews are concerned, you're a dog and you're not worthy of salvation. But I know a time is coming when Paul will have a dream, it'll all be unfolded and they'll come and they'll get you because of my blood, all will be saved. But right now I can't go there. And, and he's looking at this woman and she said, and then Jesus said to her, oh, sorry, I'll go back, I'll go back. Sorry, he said, is it not right to take children's bread and toss it to the dogs? And she looks at him 
And she says, yes, it is, Lord. She said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She humbled herself so low. She went so, she said, okay, call me a dog if you want. I know I'm a Gentile. I know this, but I'll tell you what, Jesus, if I can just eat the crumbs that fall from your table, if I can, if I could just have one crumb of what you're planning to give the Jewish people, if I could just have one crumb of it, just one, that's all I'm asking. I'll crawl at your feet. I'll bow before you. I'll do anything. Just let me have a crumb. Have you ever felt in that place in your life? We just go, Jesus, I just need a crumb. I feel like I've got nowhere else to go. I feel like I'm at my end. I feel like nothing's working for me. I feel like the heavens are like brass. I feel like there's a wall of resistance around me. I feel like every demon in hell is coming after me. I feel like, you know, the banks are against me. I feel like my kids are falling apart. I feel like my home's falling apart. If only I just could have a crumb, Lord Jesus. And I love this. Jesus turns to this woman and he says, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. Jesus didn't turn around because she asked for a crumb and give her a crumb. Jesus moved his agenda. Jesus moved a timeline. Jesus moved where he was supposed to go because of the love and compassion for this woman. He answered a prayer, not just a crumb. He didn't just say, well, I'll pray for your daughter and we'll hope that she gets better. He said, your request is granted and her daughter was healed at that moment. What about Mary? the mother of Jesus. They're at a wedding, John 2, 1 to 11. And on the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. At this stage, Jesus, no one knew who he was. He hadn't been exposed yet. He hadn't done anything out of the ordinary yet. I'm sure it was, as he was growing up, there were some little tricks that he tried. I mean, if you were you know, God in flesh, I'm sure you would have tried to part some waters or something when you were little and tried it out. But no one had seen him do anything yet. And he's at this wedding in Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, he says to his mother, why do you involve me? In other words, what do you want me to do about it? They've got no wine. You know, sometimes I feel like that I believe so much for a church that's alive and revived. And I, feel, I believe so much for a church that's full and full of the, the wine of the Holy Ghost, that they would be so, so inebriated in God, so, so filled with the Holy Spirit that they could do anything that he asked them to do, so in love with him. I believe and I dream for a church like that. And there's many times where I say, Jesus, they've run out of wine. They've run out of wine. 
And I'm sure he looks at me and goes, woman, what do you want from me? Why are you here again? Why are you pestering me again? Why are you persisting with these people? Jesus, there's no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come to pour out revival worldwide. My hour has not yet come for the glory to be revealed, Julie. My hour has not yet come for you to rise up in business, Ra. My hour has not yet come for you to go and lay hands on the sick, Angela. My hour has not yet come for you to hear the mind of Christ, Gary, and to prophesy. My hour has not yet come for you guys to go to the mission field and bring in a harvest for the Lord. My hour has not yet come and she says this totally ignoring him she says to the servants just do whatever he tells you just do whatever he tells you she had such a such a knowledge that Jesus would be moved by love that Jesus would be moved by the heart of a mother that Jesus would be moved by relationship. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to his servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. And then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And they did so. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best wine till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory to his disciples who believed in him. Isn't that amazing? A persistent widow nags her way, persistently crying out until she gets justice. Amen. A mother, a desperate mother, throws herself at his feet and humbles herself to say she will even have the crumbs off the table, Jesus. And Mary, the mother of Jesus, uses her relationship and her love. They all move the timeline of God and bring it into their time. I truly believe that we are in a season, people of God, that you are in seasons individually where God so wants to come and break through in your lives, where God so wants to come and break through in your lives. But he's looking for a persistent widow. He's looking for a desperate mother. 
and he's looking for someone who is in so relationship with him that they know that he will move if they just ask. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3talgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon. Let's go.